Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Welcome to Headliners with me, Stephen Allen. Joining me tonight are two top comedians who are obviously not as funny as me, but they do try. Uh, Josh Howie and Radu Isaac. And I didn't write that intro, but I definitely paid someone to write it. And I do try. You try. And I agree with everything they say. It was definitely worth the money. I'd uh, say Radu's probably the funniest out of the three of us. Yeah, easily. I wouldn't disagree. No, good. Oh, well, there we go. That's a <laughs> Ended that section quickly. Well done. We'll move on. Uh, well, let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages, and we'll start with Friday's Mail. Uh, unsafe NHS child gender clinic to be shut is their main story. Uh, they have a Prince Charles one. Uh, will one's signet ring set this thingy off? I probably pronounced off, not posh enough. Uh, then we go to the uh, Daily Telegraph. NHS faces crackdown on puberty blockers is their main story. Also saying white teenagers least likely to attend elite universities. We'll be discussing both of those stories today. Uh, Birmingham opens games with a bang is the picture on The Independent. And their main story, energy firms soaring profits spark outrage. Companies earn billions while Britons face huge bills. To The Guardian with the same story, energy firms profit surge insults working people. And they mention that the heat of 40 degrees Celsius is 10 times likelier as climate fails. Uh, Financial Times, Centrica urges more state help with fuel bills as profits soar. The Express, Sunak, I'll kick 5,600 foreign criminals out of Britain. And then we go to the uh, Daily Star... British gas and shell rake in sickening profits as millions of us face fuel poverty. Money-grabbing scumbags is their main headline on there. And those are your front pages. Kicking off with Friday's Times and the latest from the Conservative leadership and Ben Wallace endorsing uh, trust, Joss. Yeah, a.k.a. Ben Wallace wants to get a job... (laughs) In the next government. Uh, So, yeah, he has said... uh, He's come out and said that she is straight and means what she says, i.e., you will get a promotion. Uh, I imagine that's what she said behind the scenes. I think it's quite interesting because she seems to be the favourite to win, according to the the sort of 100,000 Tory people who will be voting for her, Tory members. Um, So it seems like, I guess, more and more we're going to see the MPs coming out for her in the hope that they're then going to get promoted or get jobs in the next uh, in the next government. So we'll see what it is. Uh, but obviously tonight was a um, the uh, first hustings, yeah. And uh, someone supposedly shouted out to Rishi Sunak, like, you betrayed Boris or something like that. I think... And it's quite interesting to see how, actually, at the grassroots level, they're still very much behind... Seemingly, anyway, mm-hmm. behind Boris Johnson, um, which I think is... Stupid. Uh, well, even if even <laughs> if you're not necessarily behind Boris Johnson, the act of regicide within a political party doesn't necessarily help them cling on to power. No, it doesn't. And but look, I've said this before. Personally, I think that they Kemi uh, Badenoch was was their best choice 
And I think that they, the MPs made a massive mistake because she could have gone into the election. If she had gone into the election as the Tory leader, it would have taken identity politics out of the running um, and it would have forced Labour to up their game. And that's I think, would have been good for the country as a Labour supporter either way. Um, I feel now, like, it's hard... To, I, look, I'm not a Tory, but I, I feel it's very hard to get behind either of these two candidates. Yeah. Mm, I'm not behind either of them. I do feel like whoever wins, we're going to dislike them in, like, six months. So I, I, don't, I don't have the reasons. Six so months, that's quite a long time. I don't know if I <laughs> yeah. think that could be pretty long. I'm, I'm, I'm disliking week. them now, but I feel like for the whole country to get behind the disliking them. them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you been watching any of the debates? Given that, I mean, I'm presuming no one sat around this table as a member of the Conservative Party, so you don't get to have a vote in this. This is—it's a weird thing. It's like watching—it's like when you're watching the Australian version of MasterChef. I just feel like I'm not connected to it. I don't get a yeah. say in this. It's not as good. Absolutely. Well, there's no. I mean, it's. I think even if you were a. Tory member, uh, a, a, a member of the Tory party, uh, and I think this is their problem, is that they're, they're finding it hard to get passionate about this and to get behind either, which is why so many of them are still clinging on to Boris, because at least he had that charisma, whereas these two, they're pros and cons, but for me, it's mostly cons. Uh, which well, is appropriate, given their... Uh, well, exactly, but Liz Truss is like, she's come out and said that they want to relook at inheritance tax, which is the sort of most hilarious pandering, like, know your audience. It's like us doing a gig... <laughs> Yeah, and coming out. Yeah. But isn't that the, that's one thing she's doing really well? Not sticking to the script of reality. Just why not make promises? If you're up against Rishi's being boringly uh, pragmatic about oh, talk about inflation as your main opener, you know, one wins a crowd over talking no, about inflation. It. She's learned from her old boss. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Well, let's move on now to Friday's Daily Mail, and Britain has a choice in this. Does it want to be racist or sexist, Radu? Which would you pick? Uh, it's it's hard. I, it, so the, the Daily Mail says uh, Tory donor uh, claims that uh, Britain will be seen as racist if Ricky Sunak, Sunak uh, loses leadership election. So basically, it's either sexist or yeah, one of the two. I feel like basically they just back themselves up into a corner by not uh, not, not getting a white guy in the final. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's fair to mention, uh, uh, you know, as a Labour supporter, that Labour has never had a, a female leader. Uh, never had a person of colour. They have had an ethnic minority. They had Ed Miliband, who's Jewish. Um, but, yeah, that either way, Tories, to be fair, on that front, are, have done historically better and will be doing better. But they also have had more prime ministers, so they have had more chances. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just, just maths. But, I mean, this one really leaves us in a sticky situation, that there is, there's no other choice and the Conservatives have, have to pick Rishi. Otherwise, this person is saying not only racist party but racist nation. Yeah, maybe they, they would have find, found, like, a, a minority, female minority. Oh. That could have been a better idea. So either, either a white male or a female minority would have gotten them out of, the, out of the situation. But the reality is bad faith actors are going to always use whatever they can to attack Tories and certainly to attack this country as being supposedly a racist country. So they're, they're going to step in and say whichever one, oh, they're either... Well, they don't seem... The identity yeah. politics doesn't seem to care so much about women. Uh, but I think that people pushing that agenda would would use it. Um, and I don't think in this case it is true that that it would be because of racism that, that they voted for Rishi or whatever. I think that he has unfortunately been tainted, rightly or wrongly, with this whole idea that he betrayed Boris. Mm. Um, and that's just not helping him with the, the people who need to vote him in. And also he's not the one promising lower taxes, yeah. which does seem like if you're, if you're going to withhold the, the suite... 
then people aren't going to withhold the carrot and just give more stick. Who's voting for more stick? And again, this thing is it comes down to 100,000 people. That they are not necessarily indicative of the entire country, which is why we need to go into a general election as soon as possible. That would be entertaining, wouldn't it? Well, sticking with the Daily Mail and the NHS is back in the press, Josh. Yeah, so um, the Tavatok Gender Clinic, which is basically the biggest um, clinic in this country for dealing um, with uh, transgender tr uh, referrals for children, um, has basically shut. And it is shut uh, after this damning report has come out, this Cass report, who is Dr. Hilary Cass, I think, and she has basically been looking into what they, how they've been behaving over the last 10 years. It's hard to... There's a lot of history going on here. Mm. But essentially, they have been putting children um, onto uh, puberty blockers. Um, and this, this is now said to be not... So they've closed it for being found not safe for children because what they haven't been doing is actually testing, seeing what the effects might be, what any side effects might have been, seeing what the outcomes might have been. And now we're having a bunch of uh, young people coming out as, uh, like, detransitioning after being on these puberty blockers, after having surgery, and then going, actually, I made a mistake. There's anybody who's interested in this, I would highly recommend listening to uh, this BBC podcast, Nolan Investigates Stonewall. And there's this one episode where just the whole hour is interviewing this guy called Dr David Bell. Now, he's the whistleblower who worked for, like, 30 years at this centre... And basically, he calls out what happened and how it transitioned over the last sort of 10 years or so, where you had basically a handful or 100 sort of mostly young boys presenting with this transgender condition to going increasing like 9,000% to mostly teenage girls and how it's indicating that it's a fad and how they've pushed forward an ideology where it's what he talks about is um, it's... Uh, you don't just go... Now, when they go into the centre, they'd be like, you're, yes, you're trans, Here's your, here are your pills, here's the surgery, here's whatever, whereas usually people are coming with underlying conditions. So it's almost like conversion therapy into that condition and just affirming them, and that's been the problem. So it's closed, but there is good news because there are obviously transgender children and there are, and there are people presenting with transgender issues, young kids, and now they're going to be opening more centres but they're going to be focusing, it looks like, more on the mental health aspects of it, rather than just going, here are these drugs, which more and more... And they said for years, no, there were no side effects, no side... They didn't look into any of it, and now it turns out, guess what? There are loads of side effects of these puberty blockers. Well, the, the report says that more research is needed, so I guess... Yeah, but, but the research they've done, and they've done in other countries, have shown that there is massive side effects in terms of... Like, they need things to be preferred, but all the early indications are puberty blockers stop your brain developing the right way. They've, it's 100% been proven that it, it um, hollows out your bones, essentially, so it also has sexual uh, ramifications in terms of being able to achieve... Uh, sexual gratification. So, by hollows out bones as well, you're talking about calcium levels in bones, right? Bo yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, not actual hollow, but basically br brittle bones, bone. essentially. Yeah. So, there are, there are a bunch of side effects for what was told were, no, no, just put them on puberty blockers, it'll be fine. Radu, your, your take on this rather? Yeah, uh, the science apparently is, isn't in. It's never in, it's never finished. That's, uh, that's the problem with, the, with yeah. the science. I just feel like we do need, like, there's like 9,000 9, people uh, un, un, untransitioning, but we need to do, to wait and see how many of the 9,000 people are going to... Well, it's 9,000%, like... it's increased, basically. 
So it's not 9,000 people, it's like 9,000% the... Of the people, like, yeah, oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. basically, what percentage of those people that detransitioned yeah, yeah. are going to undetransition? Well, saying that Like, maybe in like five years, they're going to decide, no, I want to go back to, to the original plan. Well, exactly. And by then, and if they have been on these puberty blockers and they have then gone on to cross hormones and whatever, then it's too late, which is why you're having now the first case launched against the NHS, but also there's going to be more and more so of young people coming out realizing it was like depression or mental health or autism, all these underlying factors that aren't being explored or haven't been explored at the Tavistock Center. And now they're finally, and they're coming out and they're going, I made a mistake and it's too late. It's, it's arguably the biggest medical scandal of our times and it's gonna become more and more so. I think with more research being needed, it's, it, that's the way that most science gets... Science conversations yeah. end with more research needed, and that seems to be the <laughs> one on this. Well, Friday's independent now, and if you thought that the train strikes were a hassle for you, imagine being Keir Starmer, Adi. So, yeah, uh, Starmer says uh, uh, he sacked Shadow Minister for making uh, a policy on the hoof. So, basically, he, uh, he sacked uh, Sam Terry as the, as the Shadow Transport Minister. Uh, he supported the unions. Uh, he supported he supported the strikes of the of the unions, but he didn't ask permission from uh, from the Labour Party, and uh, and that's the reason Keir Starmer says no, he no. Him. Well, Keir Starmer says that the reason is that he went on and did a bunch of interviews which hadn't been authorised, and then he also made up policy on the fly, which which was also not true. So, but. You, but yeah, he, yeah. he never he never said why uh, uh, why the Labour Party didn't support the strikes. He, oh, no, no, he's, he's saying that he does support... But, he, but, he's, but he's basically saying, yes, of course, they have the right to strike, but he's also saying that any organisation, we have collective responsibility. And if he's going to be on his front bench, um, then he needs to toe the line. That's, that's the line that they put out, and that's what he should adhere to. Sam Tarry is an interesting case because he was kind of parachuted in. He's like an ultra-Corbanite. I mean, for me, he shouldn't even be in Labour, let alone a Labour MP. He was parachuted in to the um, Ilford. Uh, they, then they, they, there was a very popular Sikh councillor there. And basically, it turns out, like, suppose, I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but, like, it seems like he was framed that accusations were made against a Sikh councillor who everybody who was very popular, everyone wanted him to be the, uh, get the selection. And then, 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 but then Sam Terry was, like, sort of pushed in. And then it turns out all these allegations were false. Uh, and now I think Sam Terry is actually in the process of being deselected or they're trying to do that. Mm. So I don't think Sam Terry is someone who should be in Labour anyway. Uh, and let's just get rid of these far-left idiots and get Labour electable. So one of the things on this story yesterday that looked to be really stupid was uh, a take on it that was, well, there was an edict saying you can't attend the first strike, but there wasn't an edict about the second one, so maybe you could. And it did feel like, oh, come on, you know what the rule is. But actually, you read the story, and now uh, Keir Starmer says, well, look at it on a strike-by-strike -strike basis whether you're allowed to attend or not. It feels like maybe you need a bigger, overarching Bigger, bigger policy here. Yeah. And certainly there's going to be a lot more strikes. Yeah. I mean, the last thing he wants to do is come up with a policy, though. That might be the problem. <laughs> um, on to Friday's Financial Times. Uh, all's well that ends well if you're an oil tycoon, and I'm not, John. Wow, I wish I had some money, and wow, I wish I'd invested it in Shell or any of those other companies. They are making crazy, crazy profits. Um, so Shell has just reported their latest quarter, $11.5 billion profit. Uh, that broke its record profit from the last quarter, which, um, which was, I think, like $9 billion or something. Uh, they were making about $5.5 billion uh, about a year ago, which is nothing. Who cares about that kind of money? And uh, that's not, it's not just them, of course. It's uh, Cent Centrico, which own British Gas. They've made like $10 billion or whatever. Um, and 
We'll see if this leads to another uh, sort of levy on the energy uh, companies. Uh, like, it, like the last time, Labour said we should do this, and then and then and Tories like no, 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 and then finally they did, and it's just they they took that policy. We'll see if it happens again. Of course, the um, Shell chief executive is saying no, no, we don't do it because we need to continue to invest in energy security and whatever. I, it it just seems absolutely shameless as bills are going up all around and not just in the uk yeah. and people and we are really going to come up to but, just the worst but, winter period for many many people so yeah, basically the energy crisis is all made up of just some companies raising prices without them having to do it well no they're not that but then the fact is that they're making just huge huge money and that money is coming from taxpayers and what's not what's crazy in the uk is that actually so much of our we don't take that. Like, it's gone up because obviously war in Russia and demand's gone up. But we have very little imported. I think we have 75% of our energy needs are actually mm. met domestically. Um, and and the it, cost goes up, doesn't it? And so yeah. the, bit, the, the bit that you have to pay for, if the market price has gone up, you still have to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, look, to be fair, and there's the balance. Um, yes, they may well be making um, like 11.5 billion. Um, but you've got to add inflation into that. So it's oh, not yeah, quite yeah. worth what 11 billion used to be. Yeah, if they're going Tesco's and they're buying spaghetti, like the home brand, whatever, it's gone up from sort of 90p to £1.50. So that's going to affect everybody, even the owner of Shell. But inflation is still somehow their fault, right? So oh, all oh, the yeah, prices yeah, yeah, going yeah, up yeah, because... Yeah, yeah. Everything's their fault. <laughs> they're essentially incredibly rich and they, you know, should pay everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so moving on now. So... We're yeah, with Friday's Times. And uh, let's just say it's not looking good for the American economy, Roddy. So, yeah, apparently the U.S. economy falls into technical recession, which it doesn't mean like a proper recession. It's just that they're not making as much money as they were expecting to, to make. Apparently, they're making, like, less money than they made, like, uh, last year, which was kind of surprising for me, because if they made less... If they're making less money now than they made during the pandemic, let's just stay home. <laughs> What's, if, the, if, the, if America, yeah, was more profitable with people staying home. So how can, how can it be a technical recession, though? We know the rules. It's two consecutive quarters of reduction. If you're think, that, you're definitely in a recession. Well, it's not, it goes, I think there's growth. So there's, there's still growth, and because they're they put up their rates quite aggressively um, to deal with the inflation, and, but, they, but the economy's still actually doing quite well. So those two things are kind of, that's what's happening. And if they're seeing industries as a whole failing, I think the technical thing for a recession is a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy. So because some parts of the economy are actually still doing quite well mm. and increasing, that's why it's a technical recession, but not the full, the full gamut, the, full gamut. the, big, the big bad boy. There's uh, still war is still brewing in the world. They're selling enough weapons. Yes, there's some parts of the economies are still doing well in, the, in America. Welcome back to Headliners. I'm still Stephen Allen, and they're still Josh Howie and Radu Isaac. Now, I was hoping that we move on to uh, maybe lighter, funnier stories. The Express now, and China's stepping up its threats. Josh. I love this. I love it when they do a headline, and then you read the next line down. It's everything goes. So this is the headline. China will respond militarily to Pelosi's Taiwan visit. OK? Then you read the next line down. It goes, China is likely to respond militarily. <laughs> and then you read a little bit further... A foreign policy analyst has predicted. So they've got someone to basically say that, and then they've constructed this whole article around it. Uh, so basically, what's happened is Taiwan, uh, China considers it part of their territory. It's about 100 miles. It's an island, obviously, 100 miles 
uh, from China, uh, but America has... It's in the American law that they would defend Taiwan if China ever attacked it. Um, uh, Nancy Pelosi, oh, I believe the Speaker of the House, um, is planning a visit, and I think that's the first one for, uh, since, uh, since 1997 for someone of her position. Um, so this person who's Bonnie Glazer, Director of Asia Program at German Marshall Fund of the United States, blah, 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 has said, yes, it would be terrible if she did that, and they'll definitely respond. What is quite funny is how she said they will respond. She said, oh, no, they're not going to do anything, like, to... They're not going to, like, attack the plane, but they might do... There are other ways they could interfere with the aircraft, like use up all the toilet paper <laughs> or various other things. Yeah, fly, 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 uh, fly across the, the other airplane and just kind of wave or just flip the sign or... Oh, and make you have all to... All these other ways. Those, at the airport, have to do the loop for a while before you land. Oh, that'd oh, get yeah. I mean, is this... Uh, Radio, are you worried about what's going to happen with China? It's, uh, I, I do know that... Yeah, I do know that China uh, has it also written into law that uh, Taiwan is part of the territory. America has it written into law that they have to defend it. It's basically two big laws that don't, <laughs> don't match. So it's... Uh, I'm gonna... I'm gonna... I'm gonna be excited, because that's, that's the whole power I have. I don't have any, any power to be worried, so why be worried? I do like the idea that Nancy Pelosi is, like, I, it is, is at risk. I feel like, well, photo ops for politicians should be risky. It shouldn't just be, like, just... Because then it's just... Politics is just theater without a bit of risk. So the, I, I do yeah, like... But she lives in America. There's enough risk there, surely. <laughs> should be safe that's, for the week. That's enough. This is, like, <laughs> Taiwan is, like... Yeah, there's not people with, like, N16s on every call. I think she's too old to go to school anymore, so, yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> she's, she's far away from the risk of it. Um, Friday's Daily Mail in Germany's been in hot water in the past, but now the hot water is a thing of the past for them, Radu. Yeah, so apparently Germany uh, turns off the hot water. Uh, Hanover first to ban hot water in response to Russian gas crisis. So Hanover has, uh, has banned hot water in all public buildings which is not... It's during the summer, so I don't think anybody's going to notice for a while. I think it's going to go into the winter. It is going to go into the winter, so, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I honestly fully, like... Because apparently Germany stood up to Russia and now they're paying the price. I fully expect Germany to... Probably in January to invade Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Germany's fault, and, and actually it's Angela Merkel's fault. She's been warned for years that putting all her eggs in one basket, this is exactly what they've done. So Russia, basically, they dropped it to 40%. And now they've dropped it half of that. They're getting 20% of the gas that they normally do. And, and Germany is the EU country that was most dependent on Russia. Now they're trying to bring in uh, liquid gas, I think, from America. But then there was a fire in, a, in an American factory or some, some um, that, that means that they can't get enough to refill all their tankers or whatever. I don't know. But uh, Germany is in trouble. And their gas bills are going up uh, and will be going up a lot, uh, just like ours. Um, but they, like I say, do have... Uh, uh, they're a lot more dependent. When was the last time you used hot water in a public building, though? I was thinking about that. I don't think... I like to go to the library and have a bath, <laughs> you know, <laughs> occasionally. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's not the worst thing. I mean, this won't be the end of it, though, will it? It won't be like, oh, well, they'll... Just yeah, well, it's switching off public fountains yeah. and it's, you know, the beautiful lights. lights. You know, the lights, you see the lights at the town hall. Not going to have any lights at the town hall anymore. Greta must be loving this. Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on, this is reducing carbon footprint left, right, You're and not center. saying she's behind the whole thing, are you? I'm not saying she's not. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, well, moving on to Friday's Telegraph. And could Britain's favourite tennis star 
be playing into the hands of Putin, Josh. She might be your favourite tennis star. I'm not sure if she's my favourite. Who's better? Henman, forever. In the category of women's tennis? Well, if he wants to be. That's the way things are. I've started <laughs> yeah, off again. Back to the tennis. So, back to tennis. So, um, she's now uh, essentially hired a, a Russian coach. This is quite an interesting story because uh, Chris Byron, um, Bryant, who MP, he's the chair of the old party parliamentary group on Russia, has come out and said that she shouldn't have had hired this Russian uh, tennis coach, Dmitry uh, Tursunov, uh, to be her, her coach. He actually has spent most of his life, I believe, in America anyway, and they want him to sign something. They didn't allow him to come into Wimbledon uh, because there's a, there's a ban on Russians coming over. Uh, and unless you signed a uh, thing saying that the war in Ukraine was bad and Russia's fault and whatever, which would be, I imagine, if you're living in Russia, that would be a pretty tough thing to do um, mm. without uh, you know, repercussions. It's an interesting story because it's how much do we as a country or how much do people blame ordinary Russians? Uh, for the actions of Putin. Although, saying that, the majority of Russians are very much behind the war in Ukraine or have been just through the propaganda that they've been receiving, but not whether you can actually take that yeah. as, as, as fact. And also the surveying method. I mean, in the UK, you get a phone call every so often asking if you take part in a survey, no. Whereas yeah. if someone walks up to you in the we street... We are from the Russia, the <laughs> Secret <laughs> Service, do you support... You'd say yes, wouldn't you? Just yeah. even if like, yeah, yeah, you're war in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Great. So but is this? You're, I think Josh makes a really good point, right? Is this the way that we fight the war? Because there was a story as soon as the war broke out about some um, orchestra that fired the violinist or something because he was Russian. Are we picking the right targets? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably definitely not. I do. I, I do think that uh, Emma Raducanu hiring a Russian coach might be like a good idea because if she doesn't win, which she probably most likely won't win then we can't br blame Russia for, uh, for ruining our champion. Yeah, but if she does win, and this is the point, I guess, that this, the SNP was, uh, was making, is that Russian would then use it to sort of, as part of their propaganda, look at us, we're great, we made this English person win the, the US Open, and that, which is exactly what they did. Um, there was a player ban with the Moscow-born Elena uh, Rybankina. I'm actually really looking okay. forward to the Ukraine. Ukrainian war. No offence to... I mean, obviously, you're from Rainer, you're a lot better at these names, but I, I'm looking forward to it all being over so I could just um, try... You know, it's not, I'm not good with the... Pro They'd be making the same claims of, of how great they are anyway. It's like... No, no, I know, but they... But she won the ladies' singles this year, but even though she then switched her allegiance to Kazakhstan and that... And, but still, that was enough for Russia to go, no, no, she, she's one of ours and aren't yeah, we great? Yeah, North Korea claims their leader, like, climbed mountains and invented soup. You can make all the claims you want. <laughs> it's the beauty of PR. Maybe we should work in that instead. Friday's Telegraph and more students are neglecting their studies, Radu. So, yeah, apparently uh, white, uh, white teenagers are least likely to go to Britain's top universities for the first time ever, apparently. I've only been in the country for, like, six years. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't remember a time when white students were fantastic. But, yeah, it does make sense, right? It's basically uh, children of immigrants... Uh, they work harder because their parents work harder, so their parents are stressed when they come home and they stress out the children. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's basically, apparently, uh, it's still, it's like Asian people who, who are doing the best and then mixed, mixed, mixed people, uh, mixed, uh, mixed race people Chinese, as well. Chinese are 40%. Yeah. Chinese uh, students as well. Yeah, 40%, Asian are 15%. 
But this is a proportion of obviously not like 50, you know. My uh, my take on it is I feel like Romanians we've only been in this country for like eight years now, so give it like another ten years, uh, white people are going to be back on top of the universities. But we're just our children are just like eight right now. Okay. So, <laughs> we're, we're doing white people are doing fantastic in like primary school education. I honestly I, I haven't read the stats, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> you can just believe it anyway. Josh. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, I mean, it's a sort of uh, good, you, you want more people having opportunities. And there has been, as identified, uh, a problem of uh, white working class young men from deprived areas being able to attain that and to have that thing. So um, this is, you know, this is a very disadvantaged group and it's been proven more and more so. On the positive side, overall, though, what they're saying is that actually, Disadvantaged uh, pupils are now, i.e., they're talking like uh, people whose children have been on free school meals, uh, are actually most like at the highest ever level, going to 28% uh, have, have, are now going to university, which is a good sign overall. But of course, you know, still certain areas still need to be targeted, and people should have those opportunities open to them. And it, of course, it changes which parts of the country people live uh, for a myriad of different factors. Um, and some people, university isn't necessarily the be-all, end-all. I'm not necessarily going to recommend all my kids go to university or whatever, but at least you'd want to have them to have those options. And that's, that's, I guess, what it comes down to is options. Yeah. Although working-class upbringing in Mansfield, the biggest disappointment I ever gave to my parents was saying I wanted to go, I wanted to do A-levels. Already, that was too much for them. Really? They yeah. wanted you down the pit? Or down a factory. Down Come a on, factory. we'd moved on since okay. pits. They'd all been closed down in the 80s. It was all about factories back then. So, sorry, Mum and Dad. Um, the Daily Mail next with everyone's favourite. Nadine Dorries mm. has taken action on a topic that definitely won't have any backlash, Josh. No, not at all. She's just getting these things in there while she's still in the job. Yeah. Uh, so, Grade 2 listed uh, status now for Cecil Rhodes plaque at Oxford University. Uh, and it's yards from the statue, which I believe there's been a big movement called Roads Must Fall campaign. Uh, Cecil Rhodes, very problematic historical figure, uh, involved in... Um, he was sort of the Prime Minister of South Africa or went before it was South Africa, but that led to the Second Boer War. You know, hundreds of thousands of people fought in it. Loads of people died, abuse. Um, so they've been trying to get the statue down, but this plaque seems like a very sort of minor... Thing and actually, interestingly, the government, the, the the people who, what is it, history, the hist historic England, who sort of decide these things, had sort of said, actually, we don't really, it's not really of amazing value anyway. But they had, they, but even though they were sort of Oxford University, this this college was saying we were going to take it, it actually turns out it was just too expensive, too complex, so they were just actually just going to leave it there anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with not necessarily tearing the statues down, but basically don't revamp them either. Just leave them where they are. They will, let they them get dirty. Let get them get dirty, bird, exactly. Get some bird poo on them. Don't make any other statues as well. Just teach people that that's what people did in the past. They, they, they had slaves and then they built statues of themselves. No, no good person would want a statue of themselves. I know, I'm, I'm looking at well, you're saying that. Yes, I'm not a good person. I wouldn't mind a little <laughs> statue. Would you, would you want a statue yourself? The good, no, no, not at all. I can't even watch back things that got my face on it. Imagine being able to see like a 3D representation of your own face. No, but obviously there would be artistic license allowed. Hair. If they could add that. But yeah, hair, chiselled, you know, all that stuff. Also, don't you tend to get statues after you're dead? So I'm not in a rush to get a statue, if that's all right. Mm, Keep going on okay. for a while. Yes, good point. No statue. Thank you.
Hello, welcome back to Headliners. I'm Stephen Allen, still joined by Josh Howey and Radu Isaac. And we move now uh, to the Daily Mail uh, with a story that we men, we are, we're beautiful too. Isn't that right, Radu? Yeah, so apparently the, the Daily Mail uh, says the Spanish equity campaign criticised for not including men. That's, uh, that's the title. Uh, and uh, basically there was, there was a campaign in, uh, in Spain uh, to, to promote body positivity. The campaign artwork uh, depicted uh, uh, three overweight women, a topless elderly woman uh, after a mastectomy, and the woman with unshaved legs and her armpit hair on display. So, yeah, everybody, uh, the, the beach belongs to everybody. You don't, doesn't matter how ugly you are, doesn't matter what, how you look, you can go to the beach. Which is a lovely idea. Yeah, Except but... Except for the shaved to... legs, unshaved legs thing. That, that's the one that does it for you, is it? But that's the gig that we you could get have used had. to it. That's the thing. What? You just have to get used to it. You're from Romania. You just you, is this oh, no, a no, big thing in Romania? No, no. I think people shave more in Romania than than, than oh, really? here. I think. Uh, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the, the more poverty, the more you you want to use as as many assets as you can. So you you, you just cover all bases. The with, so basically here, I feel like I feel like this. Uh, uh, unshaved legs is also like a like a, a privileged thing. Ah, really? Shaved shaved leg privilege. I haven't heard of that before. I think Interesting. That's a, that's I didn't realise I was that privileged. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't mind telling you. I don't shave mine. But so the point of this story is, where were the men on this beach? Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the problem. I, I agree. With their binoculars, <laughs> so <laughs> looking at something else. You got like so, a skinny incel on the on the yeah. on the poster there. Also, isn't the point of this story? And I understand why these campaigns happen, mm. but. I don't know, just hit the age where you stop caring about what other people think of you. It's great. I know maybe mm. you can't speed it up, but I've definitely gone past it. And it's brilliant. You know, yeah. oh, people think oh, I'm too fat for something. Oh, well, never I've, mind. I've gone through that age to another age of, like, I would like to live longer. I mean, it is, of course, people be happy in your body. But there's this sort of fine line between body positivity and also just like, oh, yeah, it's great to be fat, basically. And I don't yeah. think it actually is great to be fat. For health reasons, I want to live a long time. And it's been proven that being fat is going to, you know, kill you, basically, kill you earlier than you should. So it's, a, look, it's just a fine line, is what I'm saying. But it's all personal choice, isn't it? If you want to trim off a few years to have some absolutely lovely custard-filled donuts now, it's not even the good years that you're losing. You, you get rid of the bad years at the end, you have some sweet, sweet custard-filled donuts. You're all about those custard-filled donuts. Got a thing going on for custard-filled donuts right now. <laughs> Five in one go, it's easy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree on that. It's personal choice. Yeah. It's up to you to be of as healthy or unhealthy as you want to, but the fine line is that no-one gets to tell what, you... What, you look to what about putting on a campaign of some really, you know, in-shape, beautiful men and women and yeah. going, hey, guys, let's all uh, have a little diet and sort ourselves out a little bit for the summer. Like, that's, that's kind of what's motivated me. My, I'm going away uh, in a couple of weeks, and that, that date is my, like, date that I am building towards. And it's helped me to lose weight and become a lot healthier. That was just the 90s. The well, 90s I'm, I'm a very dated guy. What did I say? Yeah. <laughs> um, sticking with this campaign, but in the Metro, I'm assuming this happened mm. because you politely declined the offer, Josh. Oh, sure. Yeah, so... <laughs> Basically, somewhat, this woman, Naomi uh, Nicholas-Williams, she sort of got started getting all these messages saying, hey, you're in this advert. Well, brilliant, congratulations. Turns out the person who made the advert had just used her image from Instagram, not, not paid her, not told her or anything. And obviously, she wants to get paid, and I think that's only fair enough. She's got a modelling agency who are now on it. But this is the kind of thing that you get now in this world of putting these, is, is you don't, people don't get credit and it's not fair and of course she should get her money. Interestingly, 
She's that's what she's complaining about, which is absolutely fair dues. Uh, she does say that she very much likes the campaign and would have done it anyway. But yeah, she deserves money. It's her image. It's her likeness. Why? Why is the person who sort of just stole that image? the person making all the credit and getting the money for it. Well, I think if you spend long enough reading all the terms and conditions of Facebook and Instagram, they own that picture. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. So yeah, it'd yeah. just be more money going to them. Would you be OK, Radu, if uh, you spotted your face on the side of a product? No, obviously, I would want the money. I, my face up there. Like, I'm getting paid tonight, right? Yeah. Uh, like, I'm happy so. to be here, but still. Yeah, no, no. All good exposure. Well, I think oh, yeah. that's what it's for. <laughs> yeah. All good exposure. Awkward. Uh, Telegraph now, and forgive me, Father, for I've sinned, Josh. Yes, an Italian priest uh, held mass in the sea. He had a lilo as the altar. He had a beach mat instead of the altar cloth. Uh, this photo went out there, got out uh, on social media. I suppose it was a very hot day, and the, the, they wanted to do it in the woods, and that was busy, and so they, he did it in the sea instead, and then a bunch of people have complained and said, this is not holy enough or whatever. I don't know how it works. I think it's a little bit dodgy, a priest going like, OK, boys, let's all get into our swimming costumes, which that's that he was in this... He's wearing a swimming costume in the photo. Uh, Better than not, I suppose. Yeah. We actually have the photo. We can see oh, what we're wow, talking okay. about if we have a little look. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? OK, you don't have three hairy armpitted people nearby just to show that we're all beach body ready, but what else, what's wrong with that? No, they all seem very much in shape. Uh, but, uh, well, look, I'm not a Catholic, so I can't speak to the sacristies or whatever it is. I don't know if Jesus... He, Jesus liked a bit of walking on the water. Yeah. Fair enough. So why not? Let's have a little... Maybe he's going to start doing the wine into... Yeah. Well, I can't really... I don't know the Jesus New Testament is... very well. Je Jesus <laughs> so is naked. Sorry. Jesus is naked in the church. He's naked on the cross. That's all you need Good to know. Point. Actually, maybe they should put some trunks on him. Yeah, yeah. doesn't it always have a little bit of something covering? Certainly the places I've been to is not fully... You haven't been full Catholic. You haven't been no. the full, the full nudie dude. Yeah, if, you, if you're there for a while, they show you the, they show the, you the real picture. Yeah. Under the counter. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on now to the Metro. And I'm all for trying new things, as I think we've just found out, but this might be a step too far even for me, Radu. So, yeah, apparently the Polish War Museum begs visitors to stop uh, bonking behind the exhibits. That's a bonking is used in the title. So apparently, uh, uh, the war museum in, uh, in the western, Poland, uh, western border of Poland, um, they've been discovering a lot of people having sex. They've, they've introduced like CCTV cameras there to kind of deter them. Ooh. I don't know why they're trying to do that. I do kind of feel like make love, not war. That's interesting. Also, CCTV, but that makes it hotter, surely. Yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not a... <laughs> Someone <laughs> might be watching. Does that put you off? No. What was the address of that, by the way? <laughs> not all of us want to go off. But it sounds like because it's a fort, so I think it's near a beach, maybe, or something like that. So I think it's like they're saying, hey, guys, why don't you just leave here and go and do your stuff down there on the beach? But you, it sounds like these people want a bit of protection. So whether it's like a museum or just like this kind of fort that's got a little exhibit there or whatever, but it sounds like that's the only place that is secluded. Yeah. And we've all been there. The mental image does... You imagine there's some sort of big glass cabinet and on the mm. other side you suddenly hear... Ding, <laughs> as someone's been slid down it, and it's probably not that, or some statue, you know. So when I said I enjoyed busts, I didn't mean this. That kind of mental image, and that's probably... Sadly, we don't have a picture to show you of Sorry. a couple getting amorous in there. I have one, I'll show you. After. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, moving on now to Friday's Telegraph, and it looks like proteins have their own universe within our own, Josh. Science. Well, Good luck. This is... Well, you're, you're obviously more suited for this, but I also like these stories when it gets to this point, because we occasionally we do a story and you think, 
And that's quite interesting. And then it turns out to be like probably the biggest ramification for humanity ever. And this could well be it. DeepMind AI has unlocked the protein universe and it could help cure Parkinson. It, it can help do sort of seemingly millions of different things. They've managed to, this is how the, I've, the, the way that I understand it is, because now they, that they've mapped three, these 3D models of how proteins work, they can now see how like antiviruses are gonna, antibodies are gonna attach to different things and they can really work this stuff out properly so they can really target certain diseases. That's one of the biggest uh, fields, but it's not just pharmacology, it's uh, agronomy, uh, vaccine manufacture, um, and lots of neglected diseases as well. So th I think that they've, they've done like two million of these or something, 200 million proteins, and they're saying that covers pretty much every organism on the entire planet. So this is a huge resource for humanity, and it seems like they're just now unlocking, they're talking about uh, curing malaria properly, like doing much more targeted. They, you know, so the ramifications are huge, and it is really exciting, even though I'm not clever enough to really understand what's going on. So yeah. proteins are big and unwieldy things, and somehow they've worked out how they all fold up nicely. It does feel like we are gonna live longer if but still without food or, or, or heating or... Yeah. Not we, fat, don't, we don't know what to do about that, but we, we know how to live longer. But... Yeah. The, no. So, uh, protein folding was one of those things that was mathematically really difficult to try and solve. And for ages, that was the go-to thing people said about quantum computers. It'll be great. They'll be able to sort out protein folding better than normal computers. And AI's come along and absolutely nicked it from them. If they've done this already, this is quite a win. Yeah, good old folding. Until it's AI, it'll, it'll uprise. Oh, yeah, yeah, then, of course. Rise against that's it. That's next They're also very good at StarCraft. Yeah, yeah, the, oh, yeah. The, the, uh, DeepMind, that's, uh, oh, yeah, so that's the, a big thing that they're doing. Yes. That's, that's... Finally good that they got DeepMind <laughs> to stop playing games and do some yeah, actual... Yeah, get on with it, mate. Uh, on to Friday's Mirror, and have you ever wondered if there's a proper way to get a good bargain? Science, this needs quote marks, yeah. might have the answer, Radu. So, yeah, apparently, uh, Oxford uh, University scientists discovered mathematical formula to get a bargain. Uh, which uh, the formula takes into account, this is what I, uh, as far as I read, takes into account uh, um, the value V, that's just the result, <laughs> but uh, it, it mixes uh, uh, a mix of quality, uh, and then ease of, uh, ease of use, and then a brand trust, and then P, which is price. Uh, and, uh, and then the vital ingredient, which I guess is joy. I don't know how they quantify that. Exactly. I think that's, <laughs> that's the big variable. I think like another big variable they didn't really take into account is, is how much the person worked for that pound. Mm. Like it is like a, an MP works like 30 times less than like an NHS nurse for said pound. So that it feels like that should be in the formula as well. Mm. Yeah, these stories aren't real science, are they? Well, no, but this is my other favourite genre of stories, which is the product placement story, where a company, in this case Plusnet, have sort of created this whole sort of um, sort of fictitious ridiculousness to, like, they've done this amazing survey We're using science uh, and boffins, as they say here, <laughs> essentially to go, hey, oh, here's Plusnet, the name Plusnet said a thousand times, and guess what? Guess which turned out the, uh, the highest value... Uh, mark in formula. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, we, we did this formula and it was virgin. Exactly. Hey. Uh, moving on now to uh, this, well, we're talking mm. Art Friday's Times. Modern art is going uh, very delectable, Josh. Yeah, so this is the uh, Michael Lett Gallery in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, an artist um, uh, represents this guy called yeah, uh, Griffin um, has flux, 
flicked a sort of picket, <laughs> flucked, flucked up. What an interesting <laughs> flick, flicked, yeah. flicked a, 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 a gherkin, a McDonald's gherkin, uh, um, up onto the ceiling and then saying, like, that's 5,000 quid. Is it art and whatever? But this is, and then, uh, and the guy, Ryan Moore, who represents it, said a, a humorous response to this work is not invalid and whatever. But then I love it later on, they also go, uh, this is talking about the artist. His, his playful approach disguises a more incisive critique of truth, uh, authenticity, and whatever. And you know what? I actually get, I don't get offended by art very often, but as a lover of pickles, <laughs> this upsets me. Like, that's a wasted pickle. You know, my, when my kids, when we're out, we're having McDonald's and they're like putting the pickles on, you know, I'm like, no, mate, give me those pickles. You know, just to see one fluck up and fluck, <laughs> fluck up. Fluck, <laughs> up. I'm trying to flick and flung are the two words. <laughs> I'm not very good together. I need that deep AI thing to help, deep mind AI to help me speak. Um, and uh, yeah, I find that particularly offensive. Yeah. Um, Radu, is this art or porn? <laughs> it's difficult to know. Probably not art, but it, it is something to look at. <laughs> it's barely even that because it's on the ceiling. Apparently, we, we, again, we've got a picture of this. Oh, so wow. We can here see. Go. There you go. Yeah, actually, okay, so I take it back. I take it back. That's genius. That guy's a genius. <laughs> the use of negative space, the way in which yeah. it really speaks to the uh, futility of man. But more than that, I'd suggest it's quite violent. Mm. There's something quite traumatizing when you look at it. Uh, silent but violent if you eat enough of them. That's what I find with pickles. pickles but... That's why I love them. Uh, sticking with food, and Friday's Mirror brings us a story about why you shouldn't be rude in a restaurant, Radu. So apparently a restaurant manager shuts the uh, shuts venue early to protect staff from rude and, and cocky tourists. So this is happening in America and, like, Michigan, and it's during a festival, a Venetian festival, that apparently has been taking place for, for, for the longest time, but this year people have been ruder than ever, and the manager decided to know we're going to shut down the whole restaurant. Mm. And, uh, and now... I, I guess the tourists are still going home. I don't, I, I don't really see... They're starving, which is what they need in America. <laughs> <laughs> Good story, this. I mean, yeah. Well, are... it's actually an interesting story because when you read a little bit further on, uh, some of the other say, people are saying, oh, uh, we've also had a really difficult tourist season. And I think, personally, it connects to this kind of post-COVID people coming out of lockdown thing and really not knowing how to behave in public. Mm -hmm. I've seen it at comedy gigs. You see it outside, and people, there's a level of uh, maybe entitlement that some people have. Uh, this, I don't think just is in America. I think it's uh, across the sort of Western world where people are just like dem more demanding somehow. There is feels like there's more aggression or entitlement somehow in the air. Uh, and America, that's quite serious for them to do that. America's known as it for its sort of customer service. Uh, so I think. For them to sort of turn around and go, wait a minute, this is these people are behaving, and also this business owner is losing money. Yeah. So that they just went, no, we're not, we're not going to take any more of it. And I respect that, and good for them, good for her for sticking up for her employees. Yeah, I think there's nothing will make me lose my opinion of you quicker than seeing oh. someone be bad to a waiter or oh, waitress. No, 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 that's it's that's the absolutely the tell. Yeah. The biggest red flag that you could have any any level of dismissal towards people, and I've done those jobs. They're hard jobs, but. Whether you have or you haven't, there's a way of treating human beings yeah. uh, doing those, that kind of work. And, it, yeah, it, it, it just makes me upset and angry and whatever. Yeah. But you say that, Friday's Times, you've just had rude people. Add annoying people into the mix, Josh, and you've got a proper night out. I'm fine with annoying people. I'm annoying. It's yeah. fine. Uh, this, is actually, this is actually... I guess this just goes to what I was saying, but this is in Milan. Uh, supposedly teenagers are addressing this bouncer as Danny and bro and uncle. I, I don't know if that's an Italian thing that they... That's what they do. 
But uh, it says here that this um, president of the Adolescence Laboratory Research Team has been studying 5,600 Italians between 13 and 19 and found that they're very anxious. Supposedly, they went from this kind of distance learning to war. And I, I was a bit confused there. And he, he, he means they've been watching the war in Ukraine. And that's made them all very anxious. And crime has gone up a lot by 40%. Uh, by juveniles, which makes me think I'm not going to Italy on holiday. <laughs> and um, But I think, again, this is something that's kind of, I wouldn't say like as maybe much over in the UK, but there's no doubt that children are traumatised from that lockdown experience. But in terms of children being rude, t'was ever thus, though. We all reach an age where we think, I didn't act like that back in the day, but I see kids acting like that, therefore society's crumbling. I know, this guy seems to think, this old Lam Lamperti... Uh, is saying no. I, we would never do that. We would. Uh, they would just give a. We would give a look. Bouncers would give a look, and that would be the end of it. And now they're kind of. But it, it might be wider than that. It might be a sense of another sense of entitlement that young people have nowadays. Maybe that's me now being sounding old. Yeah. yeah. I well, do feel like if you're gonna be rude to somebody working, like bouncers are the only people who you can kind of be rude that's to. A very like they do point. have weapons. They they all they train all all day to just look scary. Like, by the way they look, they're rude to everybody else around them. They have a sort of power yeah, yeah. going on there as well. So you can totally get away with being rude to bouncers in my book. Do you not think that's a high risk, though? Be rude to someone who's not all tooled up. Well, that's what makes it OK. That's what makes it OK. Yeah, yeah it's like there's danger. It's, you know. All right, it just seems like a high-risk strategy. Like, oh, I don't want to be rude to, to waiting staff, but I do want my face pushed into the concrete, anyway. Uh, well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you to my guests, Josh Howie and Radu Isaac. Our headliners will be back tomorrow with Mark Dolan. We'll be sitting in this nice warm chair I'll leave for him with two more uh, top comedians going through the newspapers and sorting it all out for you. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.